empathy, communication, like their skills that traditionally society sees as kind of female traits and they may be good for being a parent or they're good for relationships, but actually they're really strong in business. If you're trying to build a culture and a team who respect you and you respect them and people want to be at work, they want it to succeed. Like I've got a team who are in the business, you know, they want it. And part of that is recognising that life and work are meld into one sometimes. Welcome to the Big Career Small Children podcast, formerly known as Leaders with Babies podcast. My name is Verena Hefti. I am the CEO and founder of the Social Enterprise Leaders Plus. And I've set up this podcast and our award-winning Leaders Plus fellowship programme because I want to give you access to inspiration and practical support so you can continue to progress your leadership career whilst enjoying your young children in a way that works for you. Today's podcast guest is Steph Douglas, the inspirational CEO of Don'tBuyHerFlowers.com. She is probably the person whose website or Instagram you might have seen whenever you want to to buy someone a really thoughtful gift, for example, when a friend has a new baby and actually you don't want to give something to her for the baby, but you want to give something for her. We talk about how the things that are often seen as traditionally female, in quotation marks, they're actually extremely crucial business skills and leadership skills. So she talks about how empathy was critical to get her and her team through an intense period of growth. In fact, the business might not have grown the same way without those skills that are seen traditionally as mothering skills or you know female leadership skills. I think anyways, we need to throw out this black and white view of male and female but that's by the side we also talk about how to find and safeguard all that important time for strategy and big picture thinking because we know we are paid usually for the big picture thinking and it's the big picture thinking that gets us to the next level but in the hecticness of life both at work and at home it is difficult to prioritize that so we talk about how to make it happen and she has done a lot of thinking about equality in the home and she shares with us how she does it, what's working, what she has learned, because of course it's not always perfect and we yeah, we both get a bit quite excited talking about equality in the home and I think <laughs> hopefully our partners aren't um, necessary or at least mine might not be listening to this episode so it's all fine. If you're looking for an amazingly supportive community of brilliant people, mums and dads, then please get involved also outside of the podcast with our social enterprise. You can do so, for example, by if you're a senior leader, volunteering as a senior leader mentor or coming along to some of our free events. Most of them should be on the website, but sign up to the newsletter and then you'll find it all. And of course, also get involved with our award-winning fellowship program. You can, you know, that's a very structured program with really high quality, small group coaching and so on. So all of that you can find on the website, but do sign up to the newsletter because you will definitely be ahead of the game in terms of knowing what's happening. So it's leadersplus.org.uk forward slash newsletter. Also, I guess we've been thinking about how we can have more of a relationship with, or I have basically, it's a little bit lonely to do the podcast and I want to speak to more of you. So um, Lynn, my colleague has come up with this brilliant thing called SpeakPipe. So if you head over to speakpipe.com forward slash big career small children, you can send me a message, a voice note. 
You could ask questions directly of our guests, which we can include in a podcast. And if you want to be kept anonymous, then just say that. We've got any episodes coming up with an HR director, with a CEO working part-time, someone working in a male-dominated environment, and so on. So feel free to send your question, but also, obviously, I'd love to hear on social media with any questions, guest suggestions, challenges, feedback, you name it. I really want to hear. And just this week, someone has got in touch and said, oh, Fredina, you must interview more senior single parents. And so this is on my to-do list now, and I'm quite excited about it. Please, please, please get in touch and tell me what you need. That's actually all for me now. So enjoy the conversation. A very warm welcome, Steph, to the podcast. I am really, really delighted to have you here. As you're such an inspiration. Why don't we start with you introducing yourself, what you do for work, and who is in your family? Okay, so I'm Steph Douglas. I run Don't Buy Her Flowers, and we are a thoughtful gift company, which I started in 2014. Essentially, it started as gifts for new mums because when I had my first baby in 2010, I was sent loads of flowers and I just thought it was a really daft gift (laughs) to give to someone at that particular point. But it turns out that it's a really common gift that people buy when you have a baby. So people end up with, I had eight bunches. And actually, there's just a much more thoughtful gift that you could give someone that's all about them, that's all about encouraging them to take a bit of time. And then very quickly it evolved to cover gifts for lots of different occasions. So we now, a birthday is our kind of biggest reason that people buy, but also bereavement, stand up to cancer we work with, corporate gifting. So it's kind of evolved quite a lot. And we have a warehouse in Gloucestershire, which is headed up by my brother and a couple of my friends also work in the business and have done for six years. So I can kind of go into more detail about that and what that means for us because actually I think it's been a massive benefit but a lot of people have views on working with friends and family but it just very much depends on who you work with who of your friends and family Mm. and I have three children ranging from four to eleven and a husband (laughs) that's (laughs) us (laughs) and live in Richmond so just outside kind of London lovely lovely Interesting. Yeah. My parents also ran their own business and it was very much a a family business. So I grew up, I think my first job was to wash plates in their restaurant. So I can see that there are a lot of benefits if you have the right people in your family to do that. Yeah. yeah. So I think people will be interested in what made you, just the story behind it. Was there a moment where you realized, well, actually, I'm not just grumpy because I got so many flowers, which are all smelling out my house and <laughs> making me allergic. But actually, was there a moment where I think, well, actually, no, I've got this. I'm, I can start my own company. I think the idea just kept building. It kind of was one that wouldn't really go away, especially because I had my first baby and I was one of the first of my friends living in London to do it. So then that next few years was just constant weddings and babies. We were in very much in that zone. And so I I would give people, send them some magazine and chocolate, or I'd leave like a lasagna on their doorstep and things that I just thought, what you actually need when you have a baby is some looking after in terms of food and nutrition and reassurance that it's going to get easier because that first bit is hard, whether people want to say that it is or not. And some people talk freely and some people don't, but it is hard and your life changes quite dramatically overnight and it's tough on your relationship and it's tough on your body and all those things. So that was very much the idea. But I think the reaction that I got from someone when I sent them some chocolate and magazine was so disproportionate with what 
the the effort it took for me, if that makes sense. Like we had one couple who they're really good friends of ours and I left them the lasagna on the doorstep and then they bought me a massage to say thank you, which cost more than anything that I'd done sort of financially. But they just were like a couple of weeks later, like that came at such a moment when we had got home, we were exhausted, we were really struggling and it was just this lovely thing. And similarly, you know, friends who received chocolate and magazine or whatever in a, in a jiffy bag, it wasn't sort of fancily wrapped, but just like, oh, this was the first thing that someone sent for me that was really thoughtful. So there were those little moments that just made me go, there's something in this, like, why is no one doing this? And it just kind of made complete sense. But I did go back to work and I had a second baby. So I was, you know, in that zone again for a long time and it still kept coming up. And and I kept, because I think I was quite honest about how I was finding it, then people tend to open up. So then someone else is, oh yeah, I'm finding it's really hard. And I just suddenly was like, oh my God, everybody finds it hard. Like no one, no, why is it not being talked about? And actually that's changed quite significantly over the last 10 years in terms of people writing about it and blogs and mum bloggers and all that stuff. There's a lot more discussion around it. But at that point, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, it wasn't really. So I think that kind of factored into my decision. And also I went back to work and I just was like, this is I don't feel passionate enough to be trekking into town, to be leaving and knowing I'm probably going to miss, you know, or I'm going to be late for pick up and my kids, the last one sitting there with their rucksack on their back and the guilt and the strain. And also my husband also works. So the two of us like rowing over who's going to deal with the, one of the kids is poorly and we've got to stay home, but we've both got meeting, like all of that stuff also fed into it if I'm honest because I was like I I can't this isn't going to work maybe if I did something for myself that would be better I mean the reality is anyone who runs their own business will know it's really hard work and you're never done and it's a roller coaster and all those other things but I am in charge of my own time so some of those elements of having to be somewhere at a certain time are taken out and I think again that changes as you grow and you've got a team that you're responsible for and and you have to answer you know you have to work with and everything else but I think so all of those things fed into it and the first thing I did was I started a blog so I was kind of in work I was working part-time in brand and marketing and I started to kind of put together a business plan because it felt like I needed some sort of structure to what I was thinking and to put all these thoughts whizzing around into a a plan, which actually, I think the good thing about a business plan is obviously it has like headings and you've got to think of bits that aren't necessarily your natural go-to. So probably for me, that would be finance because I'd never thought about cash flow and running a business before. I'd worked for people who'd paid me and I had my holiday and I didn't have to think about it. (laughs) So I went through those kind of sections that you have in a business plan and started to fill in that information and started to see that there was a plan in it. And in that time, I also started a blog. So I was still working. And the blog was me writing about motherhood and relationships and writing quite honestly. But I think I kind of thought if I can do that, if I can start a blog, which takes quite a lot of kind of self-motivation. I had two small kids. It was finding the time to write, which I love. I love writing to sit and write, to put it on a website. So I had to build a basic website and share it. So you've got to kind of market it and get it to people because otherwise there was no point in writing it. And that really built. And some of the posts were going viral and the subject matter being this is quite hard 
or I don't feel equipped to do this. I don't really know what I'm doing. And I don't feel like anyone's ever mentioned that before was gaining such traction. I was like, if other people feel like that, the core idea behind the business, which is when you've had a baby, actually what you need is a bit of thoughtfulness, a bit, a hot cup of tea, you know, a magazine, some cashmere socks, a cook voucher, things that are going to just give you a bit of a lift and a handwritten note that says whatever that person wants to say, but often they are very emotional, beautiful messages. If they have that emotional reaction to becoming a mother, then that then it all fits together. Then people will will want this gift and people want to send this gift. So yeah, that all fed in. And once I could see that I was getting somewhere with the blog, a few months in, I was like, and actually my husband, Doug, said, you could do this. You could definitely do this. You should quit your job. So I did, <laughs> which was terrifying. But but yeah. So it's mm. eight years ago. And it's so interesting that actually this massive thing started, obviously, on the one hand with your blog, but also with you sitting down at your desk and completing a business plan. So doing some strategy thinking. Mm-hmm. I imagine your day to day job must be quite busy. I'm just interested. What do you do to make sure that you still have time for big picture thinking? Mm-hmm. Or do you not think, have it in reality? Is it, is it one well, of those things? No, what, I no. think you have to. Yeah, I think you have to carve it out. I think it's much easier when you have a system and people in place. So I have my head of marketing and my ops director who I can. We can sit down and go right. Let's think. Let's plan. And the three of us will look at you know everything that's going on and and a bit more long-term planning I didn't obviously have that at the beginning and there's a risk as well at the beginning because I was doing it all myself so I was packing boxes I was marketing it I was sourcing products like everything from my spare room and there was a point about nine months in and I was you know we were getting orders and we were and each month there was a few more people and I was getting some bits of coverage in the press and all of that was being done by me but I was finding that because I was then having to pack the boxes I had no time to think like so then what what is the next thing what's how am I gonna keep this going and it was a friend was like you you shouldn't be packing boxes anymore you need someone to do that but I think I hadn't ever thought to that point so I I was like well how do I do that who do do I have to come up with a salary and a full-time position and and actually what I had was some college students who came after college into my house and packed boxes. So the first probably six months or so, well, actually, no, we did that for, did that for about a year and a half till I got, had a warehouse. People would come into the house and pack the boxes. So that gave me then the headspace to start thinking about the next thing and the strategy. And I think what I have found is every time we've brought someone in to take it on a role that I've previously been doing, it's allowed for the business to grow because it's allowed for me to think of the next thing or it's they've had an input into the next idea or something we could be doing more efficiently. Or So I think it's a balance. You've got to kind of work out when you're ready for that. But it if you don't, if you hold on to everything, and you don't delegate anything, it's impossible to grow it, I would say. Or you'll burn yourself out trying to do so. It's interesting. So obviously, most people listening will be in their own organizations rather than starting businesses. But I think what's translatable here is that you used, in quotation marks, other people in order to give you that time to think. So you're lucky enough to hire people, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is amazing. And actually, even when you're employed, depending on your employer, you can also get support on a you know, sometimes it's really hard to convince your employer to get some an additional staff member, but actually yeah. getting people on a consultancy basis or a day rate basis, for example, getting a virtual assistant mm-hmm. is a really simple way of doing that. Or also just getting 
a consultant in for five days to help write a video report. And so I think being smart with that seems to be quite important. And then also the fact that you got other people together in one room. For me, that's always what works best to make sure I have that thinking time. One, you need yeah. to prepare for the meeting. So that means you have, you're going to force yourself to think, prepare yeah. to think. And then two, that meeting is there only to think and therefore you're going to do it. In, yeah. in my experience, yeah. And I think there's a lot of discussion about mentors. And I think one thing that I think I've found really useful is when I've got to that point where I'm like, I don't quite know what I do next. There's so many people who would be happy to sit with you and you can buy them a coffee and there'll be a gem of something in that they say who maybe they're slightly further down the line or maybe they're doing the same job as you, but in a different industry or something like that. And I think it could be a friend of a friend or it could be someone you met once at some do and it's reaching out to people and, and they can say no, but they may say yes. And you may have an hour conversation, which gives you something rather than being in your own head and going, oh, and I think that's happened to me quite every now. And then. In fact, I'm meeting a couple of people today who are women in business who have done it differently to me. I'm interested to talk to them and how would they, what would they do next if they were me? And can I help them as well? You know, and it's two way. Sometimes I think someone might ask you for a conversation and it might be that they don't actually have anything for you, if you know what I mean, but you don't go into it with that view of what am I going to get out of this? Sometimes just by being a good person, you know, sharing your experience or help, it all comes back eventually, I think. And mm. it's good good to do that. I agree. And I think there's a gender equality issue around trying to think and giving, you know, it does take time having a coffee. Like, mm. let's face it. And if you're on that hamster wheel of trying to get as much done as possible because you try to expray, mm-hmm. uh, impress everyone and so on, I really think we need to give ourselves, both as moms and dads, it's so precious that time to think. And also, that's probably what most people in senior roles do get paid for. So, yeah, that's why I want to ask you about that. Yeah, plus, yeah. Some, something I've been thinking about in my own life recently about making sure <laughs> that time to think is safeguarded. I'm interested in your own learning journey as well and and just about I guess your perception of yourself have you you come across as incredibly confident have you changed how you look at yourself over the last 10 years or so it's funny I think when you first start I think how confident I was when I first started work based on nothing I don't know why I was so confident. you know when, but I think you at that point you have no awareness of the stakes you know like uh, as in I would I worked at the COI the Central Office of Information so massive organization government communications they were like the second biggest spend in the UK for all marketing all the government departments basically did all their marketing through the COI and it was huge and it was an amazing place to work but I remember going to the parties and going up to the CEO and sort of having a chat because I didn't know that maybe you don't do that when you're 22 or whatever, or you're, you know, but no one was talking to him. And it's funny, that confidence that you have when you're younger and you're oblivious to it. And I think as we get older, we become more nervy of that kind of imposter syndrome, and which I hate that term, but that all of those things. I think seem to happen more as you get older and maybe you've got more to lose you know you've got bills to pay and we're less sure of ourselves a bit that kind of naivety's edged away but yeah I think I'm relatively confident I've got a really good team around me my husband is incredibly supportive and we've done well so far you know the business has done really well we had a massive challenge with Covid in a very lucky way because it we were like 600% up on orders overnight. And I'm not complaining about that. And I have to be really clear about that because I think obviously lots of businesses and industries had a terrible time. 
but obviously personally it was a massive challenge because like, I don't know how to run a business that's turning over this amount of money that has amount of people that the, the pressures that were coming in but we rose to it and the team rose to it and I learned a lot about leadership and communication and actually I think it taught me a lot about female strengths and I think I probably fight as I've learned more about what it is to be a woman in business and working I think I probably have fought against how sometimes I actually feel if that makes sense so the mum guilt the imposter syndrome it's kind of like look I can do this. I can. And if I were a man, would I have those feelings? Would I be worrying about whether I was the right person to do it? Probably not, if we're really honest, in lots of ways. Not every man, but some. So, yeah, if I'm not going to do it, who is? So I suppose there's, yeah, there's an element of that to it. Mm, Interesting. And I'm interested in, in those strengths that you discovered. Mm-hmm. Um, can you share a bit more? Yeah, I think empathy communication like their skills that traditionally society sees as kind of female traits and they may be good for being a parent or they're good for relationships but actually they're really strong in business if you're trying to build a culture and a team who respect you and you respect them and people want to be at work they want it to succeed like I've got a team who are in the business you know they want it and part of that is recognizing that life and work are meld into one sometimes during the pandemic the fear that people had the the stress they had the anxiety they had in their home life where they were worried about people or they hadn't seen someone or they were at home trying to homeschool as well as work as well as deal with being stuck in house with your partner 24/7 which is has its challenges <laughs> we all, we all remember <laughs> but recognizing that those are the same people that can come into your workplace and you can't it will seep into work in some way so actually let's sit down let's have it out let's talk about it let be vulnerable like I had to stand in front of them all going I've got no idea how we do this but I know we can do it and we're going to work together to do it and then we did and I think that vulnerability is something probably that's not necessarily been seen in the past as a respected trait but actually we know from all the psychology that goes on and everything else that it is important. And I don't mean weakness. I think it's just being able to say, like, sometimes you're not the best person to make a decision or you're not the best, per- well, not necessarily a decision, but you're not the best person to have an idea. And so working together as a team is really key. And, and we had to, things like we had to increase our communication where everyone had been kind of getting on with their little bits of work and everything else. It was like, right, we've got to pull this together to make sure we're all okay, to keep checking up on each other mentally as well as, you know, work-wise. And so, yeah, just increasing the amount of calls and meetings and I was at the warehouse more, all of that stuff, because you also had to make people, I mean, it's quite an unusual situation, the pandemic, but you had to make people feel safe. So they had to know that we were talking to the health and safety people, that we were aware of what the latest advice was, That because like all of that stuff, I mean, my initial reaction was, oh my God, we should shut the warehouse. And then all these orders are flooding and you're like, oh God, we'd be really stupid to do that. But how do we do it and bring the team with us and make them feel safe and know that um, we're not just going, like, and we, we had to do things like turn marketing off because orders were so high and I couldn't take them any further without endangering the team. Really, they would have had to be there really long hours. They would have had to be too close together in the warehouse and all of those things. See, I think empathy and communication are probably major and intuition. 
I think those are probably more feminine traits. Mm. Mm. And I think they are all really important in the workplace. Yeah. I mean, part of me rebels. So I think, you know, there are a lot of researchers who would agree with you, but part of me rebels with this idea of um, Mm -hmm. whether they're feminine strengths or others. But I think what you're saying is that these are really valuable strengths and you probably wouldn't have gone through, you wouldn't have done and achieved what you have Mm. without them. But Mm. usually we totally undervalue them. And Mm -hmm. definitely, if you look at the traditional leader of how leaders are portrayed, those Mm -hmm. strengths do not necessarily feature. A lot of women I've met who are maybe, so I'm 41, so maybe they're kind of 10 or so years older than me. They are still very much kind of power suited heels. You've got to get a nanny. I've had many women say to me, you have to get a nanny. That's not what we've chosen to do. My discussion is much more around how do we do this together, me and my husband, not I have to find a solution of how we have a family and he just goes and does whatever he does at work. That's not that's not going to work for me. And I think that's changed. I think 10, 20 years ago, it was still very much that if a woman wanted to be successful, she needed to behave like a man more. That's what that's what I'm seeing. And I don't think that's what we want to do anymore. And I don't think that look at the world. I don't think that's necessarily the best way either. There's other, I think that's important. There's other ways to run a business than what you see on The Apprentice or on Dragon's Den, where it's often very much one way. And it is quite a masculine and, way. And I think we just need to really be clear that you're taking, you know, your business is really really successful business I mean it started out as a kitchen table business but it Mm -hmm. is a really it's a big you know yeah we're doing okay like it it could be bigger like we never haven't taken investment so far we've self-funded so Mm -hmm. everything has we've just reinvested and reinvested and that might change it might be that we want to go out and get investment to take it to that next level but from what I understand, and again, I don't have any comparison because I've never done this before, but where we've got to with the business and the kind of it's solid and we're seven years in and we've grown year on year, we've, yeah, we've done well, mm. but yeah, there's always more to do. <laughs> <laughs> you don't strike me as someone who is sitting around resting on her laurels. Lola, no, there's, there's no point. I think the terrible bit about the other terrible bit about COVID is it showed me what's possible with the business. It showed me that the level because obviously it's it's not as quiet it's not the levels aren't where we were pre-covid but we were bashing out orders you know and we did it really well and we kept and very quickly we had to go god like there would have been a week or two where we were rushing it too much and you're like right hang on pause we've got to make sure the quality is still the same as we had to put a lot more systems in place we just didn't need six months before but now i've seen what's possible it's yeah you like and and it was amazing I would walk into the warehouse and it's buzzing with the people and you know just I'm trying out new products and it was really exciting as well as quite challenging so yeah so it's kind of getting back to that really Mm. as as normal business rather than during covid Mm, amazing it sounds so, so excited I'm now picturing you trying out lots of well actually trying out products that sounds like the most fun part of oh yeah the, of the, the ed- edible ones are the good one <laughs> and, and we get to try you know cocktails and gin and tonics and all that that's all quite enjoyable <laughs> <laughs> well someone has to do it yeah. um, so you uh, mentioned early on about your partner mm-hmm. and about how he supported you at the very beginning when you had mm-hmm. the inkling of an idea can mm-hmm. can you Tell me a bit about what difference he has made to your journey as a leader, if any. 
Yeah, I th- oh yeah, no, he has. I think he he encouraged me and he gave me confidence. And I think just remembering that when a woman has children, quite often, and it definitely was the case for me, your confidence is not for a little while. You're not quite sure who you are, what your role is, how does this work, how do I do this? And so that was kind of I needed to build myself back up really. And he he 100 percent believes in me, and I know that without any doubt so that does help having that in a partner but I think you can get that from friends or family and also within the first six months year I recognized that I couldn't do all that I'd done before and just add running a business into that mix so whether that was the pickups and drop-offs the cooking all the food sorting the house out like I had fallen into that role because I'd been on maternity leave and I was the one at home and and Doug's in a much more, he works in finance in a much more traditional setting. He was at a bank, so he would go off to work and, you know, had to be there early and finish, it would finish late and he had meetings that couldn't get me, all that stuff. So we we had slipped into that role. And I think I there was a point where I was sort of on the sofa in tears and like, I can't do this. I can't, we have to look at this because I'm not going to be able to get this business anywhere if I can't put more time into it and I can't put more time into it and still do everything with our children and all that stuff. And and that was challenging for both of us because you're also, in some ways, I'd slipped into a role that was much more traditional, that was what I'd seen from my role model. And I think lots of us have seen from our role models and you're challenging that. And you're, you're asking your partner to challenge that as well. So that's a big deal. And something that I've thought about much more recently as I've kind of investigated this a bit further is that, say, you know, with kind of male privilege and the roles that they have, you're asking a man, and I'm talking about, I guess I'm talking about a heterosexual relationship, but you're asking a man to take on more and it's going to make his life harder. There's going to be a period of pain. You know, if he's got to do the food shop and do a couple of the pickups and all those things, it's a more juggling role that women tend to do than if they go off to work at a certain time. And I can see it with with friends, partners who resist that. And they'll, you know, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't do the drop-off. I can't do the pickup. And they're just completely opt out of any drop-offs and pickups. And when you really think about it, like, how is that fair? But also how is that going to lead to a happy relationship, a successful relationship? Unless, I mean, if people are happy in that role, great. But from all the women I saw, they're not. So you kind of go, so how do you have that conversation? And it's really hard because you're challenging all of the systems. So there's a lot of talk about working from home or flexible work and all those things in the workplace. But actually, none of that is relevant if fundamentally you have a couple where the woman is responsible for everything in the home and the man does the work. It just means that you can't, you're not equal. You can't be equal. You're not going to be able to compare or compete in the workplace if you're always on goes, I've got to go now because I've got to do the pickup. And if it's always the woman. And I think, and it's massive, it's a huge thing. But I think what you can do is start those conversations in your own house. And it's difficult. Like we're 11 years into being parents and it still will cause a row. I was banging around this morning, cross that I was doing more, <laughs> doing another wash and all those other things. But then we have to have a conversation about it. And read about it and understand it and kind of and I think one thing that Doug is really good at and has become more so recently is like he understands the idea of male privilege he understands the idea that the systems are set up to benefit men particularly white men and so just having that understanding is a starting point 
And if you're resistant to that, well, then I don't, you know, I don't know where you go. That's really difficult. Mm, it's true. And I think I really like what you said that actually you yourself have to also make a bit of an effort to go beyond those social expectations because it's really hard mm-hmm. in my experience it is really hard to say well actually no I physically can't do it or you know all those things especially if you are, have been a bit of an overperformer, generally with work and you're yeah. you know one of those superstars you yeah. want to be a superstar in the traditional female role even though you don't necessarily recognize it yeah so for me, exactly, for me exactly. I, I almost like realized well actually I'm hindering myself here because I'm not even telling him that yeah, I mean, to be honest, yeah. I'm in a slightly different position because I'm generally extremely bad at housework, really, really bad. Oh, my so, house is a tip. It's not that it, it's beautiful, but I still am the one that <laughs> I was the one that would do it. Well, yeah. well, I sadly, you know, I don't do it. And therefore, mm-hmm. you know, we have rows. Uh, so, so, and, and actually my partner does more of the cleaning and so on but then mm-hmm. probably I have to ask him if I need to edit this out afterwards or not but I do I think I do slightly more of the emotional labor because yeah. we've got quite a young baby and breastfeeding it so I'm doing mm-hmm. more of that mm-hmm. and actually just getting over that and change you know just changing my own assumption that actually no it's okay for the baby to scream with him even for 10 minutes and that again that and that's really hard because I think again like I said our role models that's all we know that's all Mm. we've seen and so you're kind of trying to challenge that and and it can feel really uncomfortable Mm. but I think there's some really good podcasts and there's people like Eve Rodsky who who has a book called Fair Play and she I think she probably has a podcast as well there's there's people talking about this idea of mental load and that and that was one of our first challenges I think one for me to understand it and then two for to Doug to understand it what is that because the danger is that you just feel like naggy woman and they kind of go oh, she's just nagging and going on about stuff and it's like no this is actually a thing there is there's so much to having children and keeping up with your parents and you know the life stage that I'm in that they're, they're another factor and there's all these things that you're juggling and I think sometimes it's like oh but I go out and earn so that's my job and that's mm. just not how it is in most relationships that's not how they're set up anymore mm. but we're still kind of almost trying to do that yeah that is very true and I like so before we came on there you were talking about equality at home Mm-hmm. which is such an obvious term, but I've never heard it used, but it's such an obvious term. I'm going to use it because it almost makes it less of a administrative, let's sort out how we divide and conquer, but actually it's more of a social justice issue. Yeah, I you like know? that. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. and I, I really, I think that's a really, really powerful way of Well, of also, if you've got a partner who is a good man, a decent man, and who does think that women and men should be equal, it's a way to have that conversation. It's like, have you noted, like, forget work, forget the pay gap. You know, obviously those are all massive things, but how do you challenge any of that if you don't change how the, you know, what we think we should be doing at home and that equality there? Mm, it's very true. And can you tell me what you practically do, apart from having discussions, if, if in anything else, what do you practically do to achieve equality in the home? So things like Doug is responsible for the food shop which initially was problematic, but he's got better at it. <laughs> the thing is, like, unless you've married a complete moron, of course they can do a food shop. But it just tends to be, in most households, it still falls to a woman, right? But also it's like, it was 
having the conversation, it's like you can't just do a food shop. You have to look in the cupboards. You have to think, where are we this week? What meals do we need? Where are the kids? Do they need packed lunches? Do we need stuff for that? It's that. That's the mental load that we're talking about. And there's been times where there was a particular bad occasion where Doug just did a repeat shop. So he, you know, you can click a button and it will just order all the stuff that you had last time. Well, that that's not help. That doesn't include whether we'd run out of dishwasher tablets or toilet roll or looking in the cupboard and we know, and then you've got two lots of something. But you know, I but he's he's getting it, but he just never had to think about it before. Which mm. and and I if I just keep doing it, then we're not going to get anywhere. So I suppose this stuff like that. There's sitting down and working out your week and working out who's doing which pickups. Like I, something that happened during COVID is my warehouse is in Gloucestershire, so it's a couple of hours away. And I started to do that, go down there more because I needed to be there. I needed to be with the team. And so that meant that Doug did have to work out what was happening here on what his working hours and whether they can would work with if the children were here or whether he had to pick them up and all that stuff. And in some ways, again, it's like there was a pang of guilt, but then I've had to just push it down and go, do you know what? This is my job. This is my business. And it's our business. You know, Doug is involved. He works in finance. Of course he's involved. And he's made loads of sacrifices for that, for this to work and financially as well, because I wasn't earning for a period and all that stuff. So yeah, we've had to, to look at that. And I think that's, again, that drop off and pick up piece and whether you can split some of that is important. So that's a practical way. I'm trying to think what else, what other practical things that we do, but there's quite a lot. I think it's, it's just having constantly having conversations and recognizing that it's not always, you're not, you don't have the conversation once and then you'll go, Oh yeah, now we've worked it out. Like we'll have blazing rows about it or there'll be a, a tricky, I don't know, like we've got a cleaner. She was away for a few weeks and we had a conversation where Doug said, <laughs> I'm sure he won't mind me saying, he was like, oh, well, I'll clean the bathrooms for you. And I was like, sorry, what? <laughs> for me. But things like that, right? He's not horrible. But he's not a bad man. He's not an idiot. But that was kind of almost an unveiling of what actually is happening in his head. He wouldn't. Do you know what I mean? Like that traditional role, that whose role is it to keep the house together? Whose role is it? to? That's there. That's there intrinsic in people's belief system because of what we've seen growing up because of what we have around society all around us so we had to have a conversation about it and he was like oh god oh god as soon as he said it he was like oh god oh god oh god but and I had to kind of go okay yeah that is that's in your head that's how you see it that you're this is to benefit me it's like this is our house this has you have to do it I'm not your mom you have to do it because you want to do it and it should be part of your role and all those things so Mm. yeah tricky not easy Mm. at all it is very true it is very true that resonates um with a lot of discussions in in our in our house I think the other thing that you alluded to is this idea of having key lead responsibilities so mm-hmm. actually sometimes it's easier if you just have one person who's in charge who's the food shop director and that yeah. is you don't then it's just completely off the other person's plate yeah um, yeah it, and it can't be that you you give that role over and then you micromanage it or you have to remind them about it that doesn't work and we've had that before and being able to hand over some stuff and it's like we had a one of my kids birthday parties and normally that would probably be me that does and it'd be setting up the whatsapp group contacting all the other parents and doing the timing and booking it and all that stuff 
And I was busy at work and was feeling angry. And he was like, I'll do it. And I wasn't on the WhatsApp group and I found it all quite stressful and, and kept sort of saying, have you made sure they're going to have their water bottles? Have you checked that they're going to be? And he was like, I'm on it. I'm doing it. And no, it probably wasn't organised in the same way that I would have done it, but they had a great time and they went to a paintballing party and it was all good. And you have to also let go and be like, it's not going to do it how I would do it. hundred percent. It's going to be different, but it got done. And then that, that was great for my kids to see as well, because that's what will actually make the difference for that generation. If they go, oh, yeah, no, my dad used to organise the party, do the food shop. But it's tiny things that I didn't see when I was growing up. Mm. Yeah, that is so true. Couldn't agree more. As I mentioned to you before we came on air, I, I did the DIY this weekend and I'm just so I've got two girls. So mm. it was just so amazing for them to see me. So I'm presuming that they will grow up to think that I that women are the painters and decorators. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Not- yeah, it was always my dad. It was always my dad doing anything like that. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. good. <laughs> Fantastic. I just want to briefly touch on joy. Because I've been thinking about it, and I do think we should all we should all have very senior careers, but we also should have lots of moments of joy within mm-hmm. them. Obviously, your job is stressful. Home life can be stressful, although sometimes joyful as well. <laughs> what do you do to have joy at work? I mean, do you have any joy at work, or is that a complete? Yeah, we shouldn't. I do. It'll be the people. It's the people. It's the team. And you know, the thing that brings me the most joy is seeing people who I know didn't think that they could do certain things but you can see in them that they can and then seeing that change I'm thinking of one particular member of the team so who was a who's one of my bridesmaids like a very good friend of mine since I was like 11 and she came to us doing a few hours packing she'd had children quite young who are now all in their teens and she she didn't have any confidence. She'd worked somewhere for years where they'd never given a pay rise. She worked part-time and they'd always kind of treated her like she was part-time, like that was a bad thing, even though it's like, well, that's what you pay her for. That's a job. So it's irrelevant. And she now heads up our warehouse team and who love her. And that's quite tricky. Like in a warehouse, you've got a real mixture of people, different hours. Um, it can be quite mundane work, even though ours is hopefully a bit more enjoyable because it's you know, it's gift wrapping and it's writing tags. But it's still it's, you know, it's essentially factory work. And they really, really respect her. Like I sat down, had one to ones with everyone and they all think that she's brilliant and I just don't think she knew that she was capable of that and we've slowly increased her role and now she's kind of running the warehouse brilliantly and that makes me really proud that gives me joy because I just and we've got quite a few people who a lot of people who came to us in a certain role and then you see something in them and you go actually and that the joy of having a small business is you need to do that right you you can't just go oh we're going to hire someone and they're going to be specifically in this role because things change or there's a pandemic or you need to shrink the team a bit or whatever it is and you've got to move people about so knowing finding those skills and putting them into the right places and my brother's very good at it at doing that in the warehouse that means a lot because you know that they're it's not you know money as well you know financially they're doing better but also they have more self-worth that's very very cool that makes me feel really really proud fantastic thank you so much for sharing that sounds wonderful and I would like us to finish with three practical things that someone who is thinking about starting their own business could do this week just very small small practical things okay find 
somebody you really trust and respect and talk them through what you're thinking. That could be one way mm-hmm. to see. And I think someone who's open to, not someone who's just going to pull it apart, because I had lots of that at the beginning. People go, oh, and then I realised I needed to keep that group very, very small when you're still thinking. I would say you could think about, just find a template for a business plan and start filling in the gaps and just see. Because I think sometimes you've thought about it more than you realise. But until, for me, until I had it down on paper, it didn't feel very tangible. I couldn't really imagine it. And then you kind of go, oh, I've actually done all this work. I've already thought of all these things once you see it all written down. Oh, and a third one, probably, again, talking to people, it's talking to somebody who has run a business and finding out what it's really like. Because I think the we're kind of presenting, you, you hear a lot about the people who are turning over millions and millions of pounds and the hugely successful, but actually there's millions of people running small businesses who might have an insight that would really help you very true that's really helpful thank you so much Steph and if people want to find out more about your business or more about you where should they head if you go to don'tbuyherflowers.com that's our website and you can find some awesome gifts if you go on Instagram and Steph underscore don't buy her flowers I've got a lively account there we've also got a podcast the don't buy her flowers podcast which actually is more like the blog that I originally started so it's much more about relationships and conversations and being in this kind of rush hour of life so talking to loads of great guests on there I think that's all the places really (laughs) there's other places but if you google you can find me (laughs) wonderful thank you so much Steph really lovely chatting to you absolute pleasure thank you Thank you so much for listening to the podcast all the way until the end. Um, really, hopefully it was useful and I'm really pleased if it was. If it was, then do please share it with one or two of your friends on WhatsApp, Signal, Telegram, whatever you happen to use. It's been wonderful to see the podcast grow so much over the last few months, um, tripling the listener numbers, but we're hoping to grow it even more because there's some dream guests of mine, for example. I would love to interview Brenna Brown and I would love to interview more CEOs and there are plenty of people on my dream guest list. So I guess some of them, they want to have even higher listener numbers. So do help us out by sharing it far and wide so we can get all those amazing guests. And I would also love to answer more of your questions and we figured out a way to do this. So if you head over to speakpipe.com forward slash big careers small children that's speakpipe.com forward slash big careers small children you can send a voice note with one of your questions which we can then put to one of our upcoming guests as part of the podcast conversation and I think that would be a really interesting way to get you to participate and, and make the podcast even more about what you need to hear We've got some brilliant people come up. We've got a CEO who works part-time. We have a HR director. We have someone who works in a really male-dominated environment. We have someone who has been the first one to, in her organization to work part-time in a senior role and applied for a full-time job, but then negotiated for it to be part-time and so on. So yes, but the bottom line is, please send me your comments and most importantly, your questions. So speakpipe.com forward slash big careers small children. If you just want me to listen to your message but not include it, then please say 
at the beginning that you want it to be kept anonymous and we won't include it. But other than that, um, we might include your message in the podcast itself. Um, so just let us know if you don't want that to happen. And also, we've been doing a lot of work behind the scenes to think about what more we can offer you. Um, one practical thing is that we are putting on quite a few additional open events for people that aren't part of our community yet. Um, the best way to find out about those will be in to sign up to the newsletter. So in the next newsletter, there will be a long list with events, both for employers and for individuals that you can sign up to. We've got one, for example, for people who are pregnant um, and we'll have one about dual careers so if you are a couple and both of you are working in high power careers how do you survive or even is it possible to thrive and to sign up to the newsletter if you want to be kept in the loop about that there are also other events and opportunities all on the website the fellowship is running once a year so if you want to be Consider for that, the best way is to make sure that you go on leaderslust.org.uk forward slash register interest. Um, it's a nine month program, you get a senior leader mentor. Um, basically, they're amazing senior leaders who have lived experience of balancing young children and a career and who want to support others. You get an amazing program of workshops to support you progress your career with young children. Um, I won't go into too much details, you probably have heard about it, but um, there are always funded places and hardship fund places, so but for those it's worth being on the list early and therefore go and register interest. And I think that's all I wanted to say to you today. Thank you again for listening and any questions, comments, just go to speakeasy.com forward slash, sorry, speakpipe.com forward slash big careers small children. Thank you very much and see you both speak to you next week.